Welcome to Mindset Matters, the show where we dive into all topics surrounding mindset, its importance, how it shapes our lives, the daily actions we take, and how it creates our future possibilities. Mindset Matters brings you stories and experiences from incredible people around the globe and provides the strategies to upgrade your mindset for success. Let's start designing your life from the inside out with your host, Rachel Withers. Hi there, and welcome to Mindset Matters, which is all about mindset and the importance that it plays in all aspects of our lives. I believe that your mindset and the way you think about things can change what is possible for yourself. This show is all about getting the life that is waiting for you. And we explore everything from personal, business and relationship goals all the way down into who you really are. And today we've got a very exciting episode as I'm joined by my special guest and my good friend, Judy Wong. Judy is an author and public speaker who dedicates her time to empowering others to find greater fulfillment in their careers, create stronger, deeper connections and live more vibrantly while building greater prosperity. Her Amazon number one best-selling book on leadership, The Softer Side of the Corner Office, was instrumental in helping women recognize and avoid some of the common pitfalls of climbing the corporate ladder. As a corporate governance specialist, having worked on Wall Street and with executives from Fortune 500 companies across various industries, Judy has an eye for reputational and branding risks. She has helped companies save millions of dollars by implementing the right strategies and protection mechanisms ahead of turbulent times. Judy has studied under world-class mentors such as Bob Proctor, JT Fox and Mark Anthony Bates. On her path towards personal development and expression, she shares her experiences and advice with audiences globally on her podcast, Breaking the Glass Ceiling, and through her life-changing programme, Magnetic Woman. Judy has discovered her passion for dancing later than most, and that artistic pursuit has opened her heart and mind to greater meaning and happiness. So welcome, Judy, and thank you ever so much for joining us today. So it'd be really good if you could just start by telling us a little bit about your background and experience in the corporate world. Well, I guess you can call me a poster child when it comes to academics. I think my parents might think otherwise, but I tried my best and did pretty well in school. I ended up with a master's degree in criminology and somehow landed a job on Wall Street. And at the time, shortly after 9-11, there was a boom in terms of the need for compliance officers. So I was actually a corporate governance specialist basically 
working with some of the top tier investment banks on their corporate, corporate governance structure, as well as administering various programs that came about due to government initiatives related to combating terrorism and any kind of financing that may contribute to the well-being of those terrorists. So it was a very sensitive time and I built a career off of that until my 30s when there were some major life changes that took place and I decided that I wanted to head in a different direction. So it also allowed me to explore a career out in Asia. I'm extremely grateful for that and I have met some of the finest and brightest in not just the banking industry but various Fortune 500 companies due to my interactions with my own mentors and coaches. You have written an Amazon number one best-selling book on leadership called The Softer Side of the Corner Office. Tell us a little bit about that book and who would benefit from reading it. It started when I was much younger. I always enjoyed writing and I didn't follow my dream. I was one of those people who came from a conservative family. I came from a single parent family and my mother was not necessarily supportive of me pursuing the arts. So I went from an arts degree into criminology, which for a lot of people is strange enough, and then landed myself a role in finance without actually having studied any finance myself. So some people would call me lucky, others would say, what exactly were you doing? And fate had it that at a very later stage in my career, after I had excelled, climbed the ladder very quickly, gained the respect of many men in the boardroom, um, even the most conservative men of Asian culture were asking me for advice and seeking my opinion on very uh, touchy matters, corporate matters that were you know, highly confidential. And I had realized by that point in time, I wanted to share the wealth of knowledge that I had gained over my corporate career with everyone. And some of the key concepts that I discuss in the book is the very fact that being a woman in a man's world, which typically corporate is, doesn't mean that you try to masquerade yourself as a man. I talk about some of the leadership principles, which are very important and are universal. But more importantly, I talk about what it means to find yourself be your own self and hold your own in an environment where there could be a lot of dominance and domineering personalities. And I think that is one of the biggest mistakes that women tend to make when they are actually in a corporate environment. We tend to allow our masculine side to shine through and we're not fully honoring ourselves as the woman that we truly are because we're trying to impress others by outdoing them. And I learned very quickly that that was not going to be a tactic that would play out well, especially in the Asian arena where some of the personalities are even more dominant. And I would say the culture also requires that they have expectations of women being more subservient. Your book helps women recognize and avoid some of the common pitfalls of climbing the corporate ladder. What are some of these common pitfalls? I remember one night very vividly being on my BlackBerry and also nursing and recognizing how wrong that felt. The second incident was when I actually returned to my home city in Asia at the time I was based in Asia and I had 
flown to London for a business trip. Once I got off the plane, I received a text message, which turned out not to be my best friend, although I got it from her number, it was her husband texting me, telling me that she had passed and he was asking whether I was willing to be a pale bearer on the following weekend. I was so immensely devastated that I recognized that these were massive, massive signs to look at my life, look at how I was living my life and how I wanted to be remembered. So that in itself led me to really take a look at the success that I thought I had built for myself and whether I was content with what I had already accomplished or whether I was searching for more. And the answer was quite simple. Um, the answer was that I wanted greater success defined in a different way. So if success is defined as the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, then my ideals were changing. And because I had already accomplished the things that I had previously set for myself, it was then a matter of redefining for myself what success was and then taking a new path to get me there. Just take us back to what life was like when you were 35 and you were between corporate jobs and you had you had a toddler. Just share how you were overall feeling at, at that time. So it's fair to say that any kind of discovery which took place along the way was really hand in hand with the fact that I was hitting a glass ceiling, which is what led to the name of my podcast as well. I was recognizing at that point in time, I had to choose between being a young mother and prioritizing my child or continuing my ascent up the corporate ladder in that particular organization. And I chose to leave that organization at that time. Uh, I think I heard the fact that I was earning such a great income and that I was committing career suicide so many times that I actually had to defriend people or unfriend people, not just on social media, but in terms of like my immediate interactions. Obviously, I couldn't avoid coworkers during my uh, resignation period. However, there were definitely people who would express their heartfelt concern for me, at which point I recognized that's just that's just a reflection of their own limitations and I was not going to allow them to steal my dream. I recognized that, yes, while I wanted to spend more time with my child, like you mentioned, more importantly, I wanted to be a role model that was somebody who had enough courage to step forward into believing that there is more out there other than working and paying taxes. Now, don't get me wrong, I fully respect everybody who is an employee and we all have to probably earn our stripes at some stage in life and there is absolutely nothing wrong with working for somebody else. But I also think that once you've paid your dues, once you've learned the lessons, and because I was working with some of the finest and brightest minds, I felt that I had already learned a lot of lessons. I had absorbed a lot and being female, being in the banking industry, there was just no way I was willing to stretch myself to the point of a breakdown, both psychologically and physically, just to prove that I could do the same as the men did. There was no point in that. I didn't necessarily felt, feel that that would serve my purpose, and I also didn't feel that it was necessary. I, I think one of the other challenges that I was facing at the time was I had to 
really faced the fact that my marriage was also not ideal. It wasn't where I wanted it to be. And on the surface, there was just a lot of smoke and mirrors. Everybody had this perception that I was living what was the so-called perfect life. And yet deep down inside, I was absolutely miserable. And that's when I discovered dancing. And it was like one of the best things of my entire life. Looking back, I think it's one of the things that rescued me from myself. What actually initially led you to, to trying out dance? I had gone to an event and met a new friend or acquaintance and she randomly texted me one day and said, oh, would you like to join me for a dance class? I'm bringing my mother. And I thought, your mother? <laughs> what kind of dancing is that? And she's like, oh, my, my mother's in her 70s and uh, she needs some high cardio aerobic exercise. And I thought, um, okay, I was highly, highly hesitant. When she said dancing, I just thought, okay, I haven't really moved my body in such ways since my early 20s, probably, when everybody probably went clubbing or to lounges and, and were trying to socialize and meet people. So it's just what, what dancing represented to me was short skirts, drinks in, a hand, in your hand, and, you know, bobbing your head to music. I couldn't even visualize what it entailed. And when I stepped into the classroom for the very first time, wow, I was shocked. I was completely winded. Like I even had a very light breakfast from what I recall and walked in that, into that class thinking, well, you know, I'm flexible. This should be okay. And it was one of the most demanding classes that I had ever been to. And I'd like to think that I had a relatively active lifestyle. I had always practiced yoga. I was always out and about. I wasn't necessarily overweight. But dancing takes everything to like a new plateau because you need to combine so many things and your brain is just on fire trying to coordinate your body. It's, it's actually one of the funnest things that I think a lot of people forget because when we're young, we're all kind of dancing around the house. And somehow as we get older, we give up that kind of movement, which our bodies are naturally aching for. written a chapter 
in my book, Don't Wait in the Wings, which is going to be out in the new year. And you believe that creativity is something each of us innately have within us, but very few people are inspired enough to take action. What advice would you give to someone who has not taken action on the on the creativity within? We need to give ourselves the time. So whether it's meditation, whether it's going out for a walk by yourself, removing yourself from your daily routine is just one of the key challenges. I mean, we make excuses, we procrastinate, and therefore we keep stopping our creativity from flowing. Please tell us what are some of the positives that dancing has brought into your life? Well, I think first and foremost, it forced me to recognize who I was, because when you dance, there's usually a mirror. So you have to look in the mirror. And while some people don't want to admit it, they don't like themselves. Some people don't even want to look at themselves in the mirror or when they look in the mirror, they tell themselves very horrible things. They judge themselves. They say things about themselves that are definitely not in alignment with who they really are. And it shatters their own confidence. So when I started dancing, I had to look at myself in the mirror and I had two choices. I could either tell myself how I thought I was fat and unfit, or I could love myself more and find ways to enhance my body and to bring it up to you know a more optimal level of functioning and and coordination and that's definitely served me in so many ways becoming a public speaker required that i have to take the floor and take the stage in many different um, countries and on different forums while i was always very articulate in the boardroom being on stage has a different type of intimidation factor. And when I started learning to dance, I recognized that there is a huge psychological impact. There is a mind game that you have to play with yourself that you need to recognize how powerful you truly are and that you're in command of that stage. And it's definitely helped me win audiences across the globe when I do go on stages. Although I have to say, I think I'm a much better speaker than I am a dancer. In your chapter of my book, Don't Wait in the Wings, you write that dancing has been a journey of self-discovery, a process of reconnecting with your soul and reevaluating who you are and who you want to become. Tell us more about that journey of self-discovery and what you have learned about yourself through dance. I thought motherhood was going to be all rainbows and unicorns because the media often only displays the best parts and when i did become a new mother i realized how i was also feeling very guilty guilty as if i had betrayed my own body because there were a lot of things that i wasn't happy about i was no longer fitting the stereotypical ideal when it came to my body i felt that i was no longer able to spend the time that i used to on myself on my routine because i had the demands of a newborn and i also recognized very quickly that my connection to a higher power be that god source whatever you want to call it was being challenged because while children are a gift and a blessing and there's no doubt about that 
the less time you have to yourself, the less time you have to connect with that source and power. And being on the dance floor means that you need to be away from your child. You need to honor yourself and be okay trusting that your child will be okay and that you will be okay. There's almost like a separation anxiety when you start taking time to yourself. And mothers are guilted by a lot of spouses as well, depending on how supportive those spouses are. And the need for actually finding yourself again, finding that confidence again, is critical in terms of our very well-being. I definitely recognize over the course of the past, let's say, 18 months or so due to the pandemic, for example, that there were a lot of families that felt challenged, marriages being challenged, and my own clients, some of them sharing with me the fact that they felt like their husbands didn't look at them the same way anymore. And I asked them, well, are you the same person that you once were when you dated? And the simple answer was no, right? A lot of people let themselves go, especially after having children. And so I think dancing is really um, a way of honoring yourself, a way of being kind to yourself and letting yourself quite simply be, and then accepting yourself exactly as you are when you look in the mirror without judging yourself. I mean, all of these are psychological challenges. And my reference to, you know, rediscovering who you are, my references to allowing your soul to truly come forth and shine, I think that is something that we've all been conditioned to believe we're not. I mean, we're, we're all scooted through the same cookie cutter system. We're all fed the same type of illusionary mindset of what we should come out like after college, for example, if that is the so-called perfect path, right? We should be doing well in school, going to college, graduating, getting married, having children, etc. And it's as if our life is scripted for us. And if we detour from that script, we are somehow unworthy or not good enough. And dancers, because they're so expressive and artistic, I feel have really found their own voice and freedom. Artists of all kinds, really, which is why I talk about creativity. I think people that paint or sculpt or sing, artists of all, all, all kinds, all genres, are really in touch with who they really are, and that's what makes them unique. Whereas the rest of us, especially those of us who end up working in corporate role, are conditioned into believing that there is this pyramid, and this is how we must navigate it, and the ladder goes this way, and the only way up is by perhaps stepping on others, which is not something that I recommend, but there are plenty of personalities in the workplace that do that for the gain of them, their, their paycheck or their bonuses at the end of the year. So dance in itself, in my opinion, is like a 180 compared to the culture that we are told is what's ideal. Why do you think anyone would benefit from implementing dance into, into their lives? Loving yourself is the beginning of everything. In fact, when we don't love ourselves, we have nothing to give others. And it's something that radiates from us from the inside out. And that's something I talk about in my Magnetic Woman program, which is all about women rediscovering who they are and tapping into that inner radiance and turning on their magnetism so that they can attract more meaningful relationships and greater joy and abundance into their lives. I think that many of us have really been gaslit <laughs> into believing that 
you have to be married at a certain age with a husband of a certain status and a ring of a certain size in order to measure up to anything. And if you have none of those things, it's as if you've been a failure. And I don't think there could be anything more deceiving than that picture because that's what social media and you know marketing companies want you to believe right when you're taking any kind of public transport you'll see billboards or signs in the subway or, or the the train the tube whatever you call it out there in the uk people are trained to believe that if you don't live what's on that poster or what's on that commercial that your life is not perfect as it is and it's really a question of whether you've found self-love because once you've found self-love and self-acceptance then whether or not those things actually exist in your life are secondary and it's possible it's possible to manifest all of those things into your life once you've figured out who you really are but otherwise you're just becoming a magnet for things that you don't want and don't serve your higher purpose and don't serve your best interests and a lot of us learn the hard way so at least I think I learned the hard way. Please share with us um, how dance really evokes both a physical challenge and um, along with along with your emotions.
Thank you so much for joining us today, Judy. And um, please tell the viewers where they can go to find out more about you and what you do and your work. Well, the easiest way to reach me is definitely on social media. So on Instagram and Facebook, I'm Judy W.Y. Wong and my profile is public. So you could always ask me and I will accept your friend request. Thank you so much for tuning into Mindset Matters. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode very soon. Take care and look after yourselves. Thanks for tuning in to Mindset Matters. Be sure to visit rachelwithershq.co.uk to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Join us next time for more tips and techniques to achieve the rewards that you deserve. Bye for now.